0: You're listening to Audio Fanfic Podcast. North of Zero by Slip and Mickey's on AO3. Chapter 21, The Base. Scully sat up, the coppery taste of blood on her tongue. She looked down at her shirt, which was still soaked red, a jagged slash where the super-soldier's hand pierced her torso. The previous few minutes were a blur of pain and confusion. She remembered trying to stop the soldier from the senseless killing of the cultist woman after they'd been brought aboard the ship. Then pain, the cold knowledge of impending death, and then her son. He'd been with her in her mind in her body, and she, you healed me, she said, pulling back from Mulder's embrace and turning to William. He gave her a small smile. Yes. How did, she was at an utter loss for words. Hate to tell you this, Doc, said Mulder, rubbing a hand up and down her arm, but you might be out of a job. Scully took a long, bracing breath and then looked around the wrecked bridge of the silent ship. "'We crashed?' she said, turning to Mulder. "'He nodded, lifting his chin toward William. "'And the soldiers, the preacher?' "'Mulder looked significantly at their son "'and then ran his finger along his neck "'with a less-than-savory sound effect. "'He also managed to somehow keep us "'from being mangled to a pulp,' Mulder said, "'rising and putting a hand on William's shoulder.' "'Scully looked at her son, marveling. The boy turned his gaze to the floor and then made a face, not quite a wince, bringing a hand to his temple. William, she asked, concerned. Are you okay? Are you feeling weak to the... No, William said, shaking his head as if to clear it. I feel stronger than I haven't... In... ever. It's... He made the odd face again. It's so strange. I feel... You know the homing beacon? He tapped the side of his head. That helped me find you? Scully nodded. It's back on. I feel the strangest pull inside my head. Scully stole a glance at Mulder. Is it painful? She asked William. No, he said, taking a breath and standing. It's just, you're here. Before, it stopped when I found you in Trout Creek. I never felt it again after that. Well, said Mulder. Maybe it's time to follow it again. He reached down and offered Scully a hand. You okay? He asked. Think you can stand? She gave her body a quick self-assessment. Yeah, she said, grabbing his hand and letting him hoist her up. When she turned to look, the woman Elaine was kneeling on the floor near them, watching them with wide eyes. Scully wondered just what the hell they were going to do with her. First, however, they had to get off the ship. So, how do we get out? she asked, looking around. She connected eyes with Mulder and knew instantly that they were having the same thought the down ship they'd been aboard on Bloor Street. Wasn't it back this way? Mulder said and ducked into the hallway which skirted around the saucer. Scully and William followed him, Elaine trailing silently behind them like an odd D'Artagnan. Mulder stopped at the apogee of the the saucer circle, and Scully closed her eyes briefly, thinking of the opening on the ship in Toronto. It would have been right there. Um, Mulder said, looking at the unmarred wall. Do you think there's a button, or... Scully looked to William. Can you feel anything, William? She hoped his connection to the ships might extend to knowing how they operated. William looked at her and delivered with a perfect deadpan. Look, lady, I just crash him. Mulder outright laughed and Scully reluctantly cracked a wan smile. William looked pleased. Honestly, though, he said, sobering, I messed the ship up pretty good. I'm not even sure what all I did. I kind of hulked out for a minute. He looked sheepishly away. Scully was dying to ask Mulder what exactly she'd missed. Mulder put a hand on the boy's shoulder. "'It's okay, Bruce Banner,' he said. "'We'll figure it out. "'Just remind me not to try to ground you.' The boy smiled. "'What if we climbed through the hole in the cockpit?' Scully asked, thinking of the daylight that was streaming in through the side of the ship on the bridge where they'd been brought in. "'Worth a try,' Mulder said. They all shuffled back to the bridge." The ship had landed at an angle so that the hole through which the preacher had been vaporized was tilted up toward the sky. Mulder climbed his way up to it and peeked through. Scully came to his side and looked as well. The ship had come down in a rocky area dotted with short, scrubby conifers. The hole wasn't overly large. She and Elaine might fit through it, but it would be a tight squeeze for Mulder and William. The drop down was five or six feet, max. She was about to suggest she try to work her way through it when she heard something outside the ship. Mulder froze next to her, then wheeled around, holding up a finger to his mouth, motioning for William and Elaine to be quiet. There were voices approaching, and the sounds of boots on rock. A woman rounded the ship and came into view, a slick-looking automatic weapon held up and at the ready. She was tall, fit, dressed in dark tactical gear, and she looked, Scully thought, remarkably like Angela Bassett. The woman moved with military precision, aiming her weapon at all sectors before lowering it slowly and calling out, "'Position 1, clear.' Scully could hear various other voices calling from nearby. "'2, clear.' "'3, clear.' "'4, clear.' "'5, clear.' Angela Bassett, for lack of something else to call her, straightened and slung her weapon behind her back. On me, she called out, and a moment later the other soldiers came into view, all wearing the same dark gear, all carrying the same sleek weapons. Nickel, the woman said, and a tall, thick-necked man with a tightly cropped blonde crew cut came to stand next to her. What do you think, boss? He said. This ship isn't one of ours, it's one of theirs, said Bassett. Then where the hell did it come from? Nichols said. Their pilots can't get near here. How the hell should I know? Maybe that's why it crashed. Looks like it had a little trouble, said one of the other soldiers, a shorter woman with dark curly hair pulled back into a low ponytail. She pointed up toward the hole where Mulder and Scully stood silently listening. Scully pulled her head back so as not to be seen. Scan it. See what's on board. A skinny looking kid, fresh out of his teens, stepped forward with a small handheld device. That can't be right, the kid said after a minute, squinting at the gadget. What is it? Angela Bassett said, stepping up to him. For a board, the kid said, turning the device so that she could see the readout. All human. No metallics? Bassett asked. No shifters? No, ma'am, the kid said. Four humans. Alive? Yes, ma'am. Nickel, get me base, Bassett ordered. Nickel pulled a radio from his belt. Base zero, this is team six, over. Nickel handed the radio over to Bassett. Scully shot a look up at Mulder and mouthed the word zero. Mulder bit his lip, listening. Team Six, this is Base Zero. Go ahead. Over. Base Zero, we've got a bit of a situation to click southwest of base. We found the bogey you picked up on radar. We have a downed enemy ship here with humans aboard. Over. Team Six, say again. Over. Base Zero, we have a downed enemy ship with four humans aboard. Alive. Over. Team Six, stand by. The soldiers shuffled uncomfortably. One of them pulled out the ammo clip and checked his weapon. Team Six, do you have eyes on the human combatants? Over. Scully traded another look with Mulder. Base Zero, that's a negative. They're still on board the ship. Over. Team Six, you're ordered to remove the combatants from the ship and identify. Over. Base Zero, roger that. We'll be in touch. Over and out. Angela Bassett handed the radio back to Nickel. You heard him, Team Six, she said. Murphy, crack it open, we're going in. The skinny kid, Murphy, did something to the device in his hand and Scully heard a mechanical whirring sound from the other end of the ship. The soldiers all swung their weapons up and they swept out of view of the hole in formation. Scully turned and trotted quickly back down to where William and Elaine stood waiting. Mulder, right on her heels, her pulse was thrumming. Soldiers, Mulder said quickly. Humans, I think. He looked to William, who nodded. They're coming aboard, Scully said. They're carrying serious weaponry. William looked at her. Do you want me to disarm them? He asked. No, Mulder said quickly, earning a look. Not yet. I think they're from zero. William's eyebrows shot up. Scully could feel a slight vibration of the shoulder's footsteps through the floor. Spread out, she said, a couple of feet apart. Put your hands up and don't move an inch. Mulder and William complied, standing on either side of her and facing the hallway of the ship, putting their hands high above their heads. Elaine looked lost from a few feet away. Elaine, Scully hissed, hands the woman raised her arms slowly, just as the soldiers came rounding the hallway and into the entrance to the bridge. Hands up, Angela Bassett shouted, the first one through the door. Keep up, keep up. Elaine shrieked but held steady, and the soldiers came in behind their commander, weapons at the ready, all moving with tactical precision. Scully watched as Angela Bassett swept her eyes over the four of them, her gaze coming to land on Elaine who was dressed in the brown robes of the Zealots, the triangle cross of her religion still swinging heavily from her neck. Identify yourselves, Bassett barked. Mulder took a half-step forward, and two guns swung in his direction. My name is Mulder, he said, then nodded to Scully and William. This is my wife and son. Bassett swung her gun to Elaine. You, I... I'm Elaine Drake. Are you with the ascendant faith of above? Bassett asked, eyeing all four of them. Yes, Elaine said at the same time that Mulder said no. Bassett huffed a long, suffering sigh. She looked to Scully, focusing on the blood on her shirt. Ma'am, do you require medical attention? No, Scully said, throwing a quick look to Mulder. Check them for weapons, Bassett ordered, and bring them out. She kept her gun trained on them while Murphy and the short female soldier stepped forward, giving them each a thorough search. They're clean, the female soldier said. Bassett lowered her weapon and turned to leave the ship. The other soldiers, guns trained on the four of them, ordered them to lock their hands behind their heads and march them off the ship. The daylight was blinding after the soft low light of the spacecraft, and Scully blinked hard, breathing in the rich outside air. Despite their current predicament, it felt good to be off the ship. Murphy, the female soldier and the fifth soldier, an unremarkable-looking brown-haired man, kept their guns trained on them, while Nickel lowered his and walked up to Bassett. What do you think? He asked her in a low voice. That this is weird as shit, Bassett said, matching his quiet tone. Should we call it in? Nickel asked. Bassett shook her head. I want to know more first. Drake is obviously AFA. I think we need to assume the other three are as well. What would the AFA be doing on the ships? New strategy, maybe, Bassett said. The shifters have been radicalizing as many people as they can. All the shit with their new Holy Trinity, trying to find Bravo Charlie and Delta. Probably got them flying the ship here, hoping to infiltrate since the Metallics can't get close. Should we bring them in? Nichol asked. Repopulation protocol calls for deprogramming. Honestly, I'd rather shoot them. If their mission is to infiltrate, we shouldn't do their work for them. I only give half a shit what the pencil pushers at base think is best. Yeah, but then we have to carry their bodies back so the shifters don't get a hold of them. You feel like carrying 70 kilos back to base? I don't. We could march them back to base and shoot them there, Bassett said, sighing and Scully was relieved to hear her tone shift. Maybe they weren't about to eat bullets after all. "'I prefer not to be shot at all if it's all the same to you,' Mulder said loudly, and the brown-haired soldier standing nearest him whipped his gun back and punched the barrel of it into Mulder's knee, sending him to the ground with a grunt. Scully winced. Bassett shouted, "'Meyer, stand down!' And William, to Scully's half-horror and half-impressed surprise, unclasped his hands from behind his head. The weapons, all five sleek-looking automatic rifles, several holstered sidearms, and three commando knives that Scully hadn't even seen, went flying through the air and stopped, hovering in front of William's upstretched hands. A second later, they clattered to the ground in front of him. "'No one,' he said, his voice deadly and low." Touches my mom or dad again. Do you understand me? The soldiers all stood frozen to the ground where they were. Shocked looks on their faces. Murphy still had his hands in front of him as though he were still holding his weapon. A moment later, Angela Bassett slowly raised her hands up non-threateningly and stepped forward. Okay, kid, she said. Understood. She looked to her team. Team Six, stand down. The soldiers merely looked at her, but she nodded at William with a confident questioning look on her face, and he begrudgingly nodded back, a detente. Nickel, give me the radio, she said. Nickel took a long look at William, and then slowly handed it to his commander. Base Zero, this is Team Six, come in, over. A crackle of static. Team Six, this is Base Zero, go ahead, over. Base zero, we have bravo, Bassett said, looking at the people in front of her with a triumphant intensity. I repeat, we have bravo. Scully awoke from a dream that could have been a memory, their new little cabin silent around her but for a slight puff of wind that pushed into the old gauzy screen and Mulder's contented snores. The sun had already risen in the sky, pressing its way up through morning, and the day promised a bright, sweet-smelling heat. In the dream, she had been sitting in front of an old computer screen at an internet cafe, back when they still had those. Beside her, William had been sitting in his stroller, contentedly guzzling on a frothy bottle of pumped breast milk. She heard the crying of a baby and looked up, confident that it wasn't her own, and saw another baby in a similar stroller near the register that was beginning to fret, her little disgruntled huffs increasing in volume and intensity. But Dream Scully was distracted by what was on the computer in front of her, and her eyes were pulled back to the screen. Even awake as she was, she could feel the gut-wrenching loneliness from her dream memory, the evocative words of Mulder's communication slicing into her already aching heart. She sat up, the still musty sheets falling away from her breast, Tears came to her eyes and she squeezed them away and reached for him. He awoke with a long inhale and then swung his hand out for the gun he'd put on the bedside table the night before. No, Scully said, and rolled on top of him. He moved his hands to her hips and she could feel him start a life under her. Are you, he started to say, but she leaned down and captured his lips with hers quickly pulling him from startled and sleepy to a state of eager excitement. She rocked her hips a few times, running her dewy center over the length of him, and then reached down to help him slide home. She focused on sensation and nothing else, letting the dream fade away, leaving the memory to exist in the past where it belonged. At the same time, on a dusty county road in the west, William and Dan walked through a small, abandoned town. The sun had just risen, and above and around them, the air was crisp in the dull glow of the orange sherbet sky. Look, said Dan, pointing at a low white building with a light box marquee out front. Tonight's hamburger night at the FOE. Don't say hamburgers, Dan. It's just mean. Do you think that one is Fraternal Order of Eagles or Fraternal Order of Elk? I can't keep them straight. I don't care, said William, whining which one can I eat? Dan turned and regarded him thoughtfully. Let's break in, Dan said, swinging into the small gravel parking lot of the building. My grandpa used to take me to the Rotary Club Friday Fish Fry. These places always have a bunch of those individual bags of chips that they slap on your plate next to the Cisco tartar sauce. William, forgetting himself for a moment, said, I love you, Dan. She looked at him, "'and swung the bat up over her shoulder. "'Don't go getting sappy on me, Will,' she said. "'It ruins your tough-guy image.' "'William laughed and fell into step beside her. "'Far to the north, in almost a straight line "'from where William and Dan were attempting to scrounge up their breakfast, "'a man opened a colossal iron door "'that had been installed in the sheer rock wall of a distant mountain. "'Dust fell from the massive doorway and onto the sleeve of his uniform.' He brushed it off and stepped inside, reaching blindly for the large switch that would turn on the lights. Finding it, he threw it up with a grunting effort, and overhead lights clicked on, row upon row of them. On and on they flickered to life, disappearing into the distance of the mammoth, cavernous space. Beside him, one of the faceless rebels, nodding his approval, stepped inside and began walking, his steps making dull clicks on the rocky floor. The man turned to the people waiting inside. Come on in, he said, and they began to file in by twos and threes. Dozens of people, hundreds, many carrying bags and suitcases, some carrying nothing at all, filed their way into the mountainside. Finally, when the last two people approached, flanked by the man's best guards, hand-selected by him personally, they paused in the doorway. The girl... 12 years old with eyes of the clearest brown, clutched her mother's hand tightly and eyed the lighted expanse before her, wreathed in cobwebs and covered with dust. What is this place, mom? She asked. Home, her mom said, squeezing her hand gently. It's home now.